I am unashamed. What about you? All right, so we're back on unashamed. Uh, we're uh, firmly in Mark 13. We we started on the last podcast, and as well as our uh, overtime, we were laughing <laughs> about Jace's shirt. Well, Jace ended the overtime with a, he, a, a declaration that we're going back in to Daniel, but you mentioned three chapters in Daniel, and I so then I said, "Is that did you really did you really wear that shirt on purpose?" And they say, "Yeah, I really did." Well, this it's, my it, shirt. Tell says, them what it says for those listening. I could be wrong. It's, yeah, if you but, start if you start with these four the words, I could verse. be wrong, but I have a little verse here. My friends at the t-shirt company. Most did people this. who observe, they're walking down the street. And Jace walks by, and they read on his chest, I could be wrong. <laughs> most people are saying, when they see that, most of them say, you don't want to mess with that. <laughs> That's a good point. I, actually, I never thought about what, what people think. What is it? Corinthians 4? The, 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 actually, the last time I wore this, I was playing cards. And the guy next to me said, what's that shirt mean? <laughs> I think the, the, the people of America... You know, deep in their heart, you know, when you, they see I could be wrong, they're like, I wonder what's right with him. <laughs> well, it's, it's a, before he reads that verse. You have to some, read the verse, and that <laughs> clarifies what's right. Some of our friends is, are 316 T. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Ooh, I think that's clever. That's Translated, I could, be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I have the Holy Spirit. Well, if you quote Bible mind. text, I could be wrong if if everything is possible for him who believes. I could be wrong. but Well, the power is from God and not from us. Well, we, we, we say that because if anyone ever attacks us, we could say, hey, I said I could be wrong, you know? It's 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 the ultimate escape hatch. Well, but I, I was preaching well, a sermon recently, and I said my point was from God's perspective, and I just stopped right there and I said, "Now let me tell you about what we say on the podcast." Because when I say from God's perspective, I could be wrong. Yeah. I woke up this morning, I looked in the mirror, it was not God looking back at me. It was me. It was Al, who who's wrong about a lot of stuff. So this is my theory from God's perspective, and so I think that's the way you have to approach anything. Right, and not, you start speaking on the behalf of the Almighty, you, you have to leave room for human error. Yeah, particularly on subjects where you know that there are spirit-filled believers who have very robust discussions and disagreements on a particular topic. Those are the ones. I mean, look, we're not going to say I could be wrong about the resurrection of Jesus, but if well, we're talking about issues, the eschatological issues or things like that, that people do have lots of debates on. There's tons of, I mean, I, I, there's tons of people I respect as, and, and I would call them superior to me and in, in their in, in their knowledge of the scriptures that I may disagree with them on this topic. Okay, so this this actually though the argument started on my shirt. When you, when I referenced uh, Mark thirteen ten, so we'll take one controversial issue after another. Let's take this one first, since that's the backstory here. Was this because he said, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations? And I and Zach said, I mean, I'm not real sure how to handle that. I was like, oh, I got that and figured out. 
and, and, and you Zach said, said, oh, you do? And I said, well, I did wear this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so, have to remember, oh, Colossians, oh, Colossians 1. That's where he's going. <laughs> Hang on. I, knew this I, I wanted to back up. I wanted to back up because I wanted just to say the people who have the eschatological what the check view of of this passage only when you back up and and when verse 5 where it se- seemingly Jesus shifted gears there he said watch out that no one deceives you many will come in my name i am he and he will deceive many when you hear of wars and rumors of wars do not be alarmed now look all these things ha- there were wars and rumors of wars before Jerusalem in AD 70 was destroyed. A lot happened in 40 years. Oh, yeah. I, I looked up the history. Oh, there, yeah. oh, it was, there were there were wars going on, all right? Now, look, there were also, uh, nations were rising against nations. That happened. You can look in history. I looked at it. It's many hours of my life. I will never get back. Did you ever get to where the, the, hold the, on. Roman, the Roman general, <clears throat> Titus, had yes. this army? <clears throat> Why did they say the Romans, <clears throat> we've got to crush this thing. We've got to get rid of them. We're going to kill them all. That's what they decided. That's to what do. happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is history that we're talking about. And look, when it says there will be earthquakes in various places, there were earthquakes from 30 mm-hmm. to 70, at least three or four in that area. One so, of them wiped out uh, Colossae, um Heropolis and you know those three cities are right there close to it, one Laodicea. There was one earthquake during this period of time that wiped out all three of those cities. So, so a lot of that was going on. Yeah. So and he says birth pains. You you must be on your guard. Now then he gets back to their personal uh, role in this in verse nine. You'll be handed over to the local council. Now he's talking to his disciples. Remember, go back to verse three. He's talking to Peter, James, John, and Andrew privately about when this is going to happen. So then he says, on account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. All happen. All, history validates this. They all stood up. And, and you make a good point. This is not like he's doing a public teaching. This was the core four. The, these things. Who he's telling this to. These things happened to these men. So then all of a sudden, verse 10, everybody's like, no, wait a minute here. And. The gospel must first be, be preached to all nations. Now, here's the, I'll give you the controversy just so, because if you don't even know all this is existing, you're like, why are y'all making such a big deal about it? There's a large group of people to this day who are saying that God is waiting to come back be, for us to preach the gospel to all nations. Now, my biggest beef with it is not even biblical with that kind of thinking. But it is to say that you're asserting that somehow another God is just twiddling his thumbs, waiting on us. Somehow another, we have, you know, this power that's holding up the second coming. That this all is dependent on how good we are at sharing the. So I, I immediately I'm already suspect. So what I'm proposing is, and I'll give you a couple of passages, but one is found in Acts. Soon after this, what happens? The Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts chapter 2. And I think this is interesting 
the phraseology that you'll see here, because you'll say, well, what did he mean? Are you, are you asserting that the gospel was preached to all nations? Yes. Here's why. Here's, here's, here's my basis for that argument. Uh, when, the, when the Holy Spirit, Jesus had just ascended, and the day of Pentecost came in verse 1, and they were all together. Suddenly, you know, you hear this sound. It filled the house. They see, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. So the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 5. Now they, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. Well, look at here. From every nation under heaven. So we got to get the gospel. He said, look, before this... This, these temples are destroyed in these buildings. The gospel has to be preached to all nations. Well, what a start. The Holy Spirit is poured out in a setting where if you believe this is the word of God, how many nations were represented here that saw this happen? Every one of them. Every one of them. And people say, well, what about? And they'll bring up groups of people in the argument because I read all the arguments. I'm going to take it for what it says. They were all here. Then Peter gets up, and what does he do? He shares the gospel, and there was people representing all nations within earshot. A lot of languages. I mean, okay. So you said, well, that's not enough. Well, let me give you another one. So then I'm going to go to the one you referenced, Phil, in Colossians. Yeah. Uh, Colossians 1. Yeah, Colossians 1. I didn't even have it written down because I know we're all familiar with this. And it just seemingly is thrown in there uh, in verse. Now, look, he just went over. Let me just back up for context. But in verse 13 of Colossians, Paul wrote that he had rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us, look, in into the kingdom of the son he loves. Well, to my my Jesus-loving friends who believe that Mark 13 is only some kind of end-of-time thing, according to this, when you read Colossians 1.13, I get the picture that th there's some access to that actual kingdom going on then. I'm not sure when Paul wrote to the Colossians. It have been late 50s, early 60s. All right. So right before the destruction of Jerusalem, he said he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Okay. So then he talks about who Jesus is, the supremacy. And look, in 21 of Colossians 1, he says, once you were alienated from God, we're enemies. But now, verse 22, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, the temple that was broken for our sins and the temple that was rebuilt through the resurrection through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in, in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope that's held in the gospel. Now here's the big drum roll. This is the gospel that you heard. This is 23 B of Colossians one. And that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. That's all of them. Well, let me, let me tie onto this too. Okay, well, I'll give you, you can give me some rebuttal while I'm no, turning no, no. to another one. There's no rebuttal okay, here. Go ahead. You, you, if you go, if you go to. Uh, it's hard to rebut. Hard to rebut that. <laughs> right, this is, yeah, I'm giving you, some, I'm giving uh, more fuel for the fire here. Okay. At, 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 in Acts 1, 
when they're asking, they said, uh, they come, they come together. They were asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And this is what he said to him. It's not for you to know the times or the epics, which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter two, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and in the, and in uh, the air and in all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the re- remotest parts of the earth. Here's his, this is interesting to me because we're talking about the kingdom. Not on the remotest, to the ends. Well, a different version, but same, yeah, same thing. Everywhere. To the ends of the earth. And you think, well, when did they do that? Because they didn't do it in Acts 2. Now, everybody came to the central place in Acts 2, but there's, a, there's an event in the book of Acts that happens that was the catalyst for the fulfillment of this going out. And you know what the event was? Acts chapter 8, right at the end of the stoning of Stephen, who had talked about that God doesn't live in your temples built by man's hands. They killed Stephen, and there was this guy named Saul, who later became Paul, was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. Talking about Stephen. And on that day, on the day that Stephen was killed, a great persecution began against the church. Where? In Jerusalem. Because the church had huddled up in Jerusalem. Correct. And they, they, they hadn't gone and done what Jesus told them to do. Right. And they, but at this moment, they were all scattered. Guess where they went? Throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So you so said, what was the catalyst for the gospel essentially going to the ends of the earth? It happened. It all, it's all tied up in here between the stoning of Stephen, Acts chapter 2, which he just mentioned, when all the nations were present, it's 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 what was right there in Mark 13. And guess who would take it the next step? That guy the Saul. That guy Saul. <laughs> when he became Paul. Who became Paul, who wrote the thing in Colossians. Because remember, the ends of the earth at this point, we're talking about the Roman Empire. Yeah. Everywhere it stretched, which is, which is kind of what we're talking about. Jace, before you read that, let's take a break. So tis the holiday season. Uh, we know you're always looking for some kind of unique gift to, to give to somebody. Unashamed Nation, you guys have been such great supporters of the podcast. And I do want to remind you uh, that you can get Unashamed gear and uh, and Phil Merch if you go to philmerch.com and use the promo code Phil 20 And there you'll find Uncanceled stuff. You'll find Love Always Protects, which is one of our favorite T-shirts. has a good a picture of a, of a gun on there as well as the Bible verse because we protect our folks. Uh, also, Unashamed Nation stuff is there as well. So check it out. If you're looking for a great gift to give uh, someone you love, uh, get some Unashamed gear at philmerch.com. Use the promo code PHIL20. I want to take a step back because the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, yep. was first to the disciples. Now, we take application to that, but it was yep. to them first. What did he say? Go and make disciples yeah. of all nations. So even no. then, he was telling them that. I was going to bring that up. But I just wanted to make a point here, too, about where how controversy happens and why we get off. Because when you look at the original language, which I did on this phrase, preach the gospel, uh, the gospel must be free, preached to all nations. And that same phrase, to all nations, exactly, was the Acts 2 that I read, every nation under it, same phrase. The Colossians uh, reference indicates that said every creature. I mean, and, and I could even give people, uh, you know, when, when you think about nations versus individuals, 
I mean, okay, there could be an argument that maybe not every individual heard the gospel, but it was it was heard by someone from that nation, which does go to us having the Holy Spirit and responsibility. I'm not saying we shouldn't go out and share Jesus. Yes, we share it. That's what we're doing now to every individual to get as many people to heaven as possible. That is God's plan. We're not arguing that. We're just saying that when Jesus said, but first the gospel must be, uh, exactly what it say must be preached to all nations. That's what happened. He he. The Holy Spirit fell. All nations were represented. He shared the gospel, and then all their ministry. Yeah. All the that that's what they were. And doing. to y'all's points, yeah. it was multi pronged. It was the people that were there on the day of Pentecost that yeah. went back. Exactly. It was the scattering in Acts eight. It was the scattering. It was yeah. Paul's work, three missionary journeys. Because I, I, I think the book of Acts is a great companion with what we're talking about here in Mark 13, because you see this kind of unfold. Oh, exactly. I mean, everything that, that they're talking about, that Jesus is talking about in Mark 13, you see it unfolding in the book of Acts, and then you see it in, in uh, history that goes beyond the book of Acts as well, that we know just from history. Like, we know that the temple was destroyed in AD 70. You know what I mean? And, and uh, so you see it unfold, and you're like, man. And to me, I don't know, it's just so encouraging to think about like like the the there's there's prophecy in the Bible that was fulfilled within the lifetime of the people that it was prophesied to. Oh, I think it's amazing. Well, That's Jace's shirt, Jace's shirt. I could be wrong on the front. On the back, as he walks away, there's another little saying, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm convinced, Phil. And he doesn't have to say a word. But I do want to bring this up. It is written. I do want to bring this up because I think you can, you can, you can, once that. you study this, you can find some, uh, some, some things that I think are, that are helpful. And I want to read this second Timothy four seventeen because at face value, you would think, well, what, this doesn't have anything to do with, with Mark, uh, 13, 10, but actually it does. It's just in the translation, uh, they translated this phrase differently. Second Timothy 4, what? 17. Yep. Now Paul said, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Now watch this. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed in all the Gentiles. Now they translated this all the Gentiles, but the actual Greek phrase is the exact phrase of Mark 13, 10, which was to all nations. So proclaimed and and all the nations might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. I just wanted to give you another one that, which the point was in his, Pretty good the reason point. they translated it that is because he was including all all obscure na Gentile nations, which was, look, there was probably a lot of them, but he was making a point. They've all heard it, and the Lord led me to do that. That actually, so, Jace, that actually, that's a great point because that actually expands the idea from Jesus's perspective. When he's talking about all nations, he, he only viewed it two ways. You had Jews, the people of God, the ones who had been carried to bring the Messiah, and everybody else. And so that's why when Paul talks about the great mystery and the bringing together, it's always who? Jew and Gentile. I that think, includes I think, all of I think, by the way, you could add, in other words, when during modern day, Jace, if you looked at 
that all the nations of the world, almost all of them, I think, or maybe all of them, no doubt, they do remember something that happened, and a lot of them are saying Christ Moss worship, Christ worship, worldwide to this day. Well, how did it? How did that many nations have had this message? How did it? Did it touch them so that this is a worldwide remembrance? That was God's whole plan was to bring the universe to to give access to Himself through Jesus. That's right, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. To all nations, it became universal. It was no longer a temple structure, Jewish uh, only. Jewish religion. You say, well, why didn't he just do that off the bat? Because because people say that. Why why did he? Because he wanted to be king. He wanted to be with people, and he went through the human ancestry. I, Romans nine five uh, comes to mind, where it says you can trace. Paul said you can trace the human ancestry of Christ who is God overall. Because the reason that's so appealing is now we have a human who's ruling the world from heaven. And you say, well, on what basis? On being indestructible and, yeah. and completely innocent. So I've never been, you know, for some kind of monarchy because the problem I've had with that is because the guy in charge is flawed you know, in a worldly sense, a worldly kingdom. But if you had a perfect king and an indestructible king, well, guess what? That's a kingdom I want to be a part of, yep. which it's leads a, to right, your, yeah. I was going to say, to the point you made that, that, uh, that it's in Christ, that the Christ comes in, he comes into human history, right? I mean, you said Christ mass, which is the thing about the time of Christmas, Advent season, the arrival of God, yeah. incarnate God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And you had mentioned that Romans nine passage, uh, how Christ came through like DNA, like he entered into DNA, which is incredible, you know. And and I was thinking about the the uh, the begotten passages in Matthew when it gives the the lineage of of Jesus and how he got here, and it goes through from Adam all the way down, you know, and begot, 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 begot. And so often we read that, and we just like skip over all that because it's so monotonous when you read it. Um, but just this morning, I, I saw uh, something Tim Keller said that I thought was beautiful. He said, the begots, I may butcher this, but the begots are dripping with the mercy of God. And I thought, hmm, mm -hmm. you think about God came in flesh. He entered into humanity in the fullness of time is what Paul says in Ephesians and in Galatians 4. Yep. In the fullness of time, John 1 the fullness of God entered in to give us grace upon grace. And you think, that's why a lot of this matters, you know, because we're talking about in this moment that God incarnate is standing in front of the temple on the Mount of Olives, and he's saying, that ain't it, boys. This isn't it. You're not getting out of here unless you go through me. I, mean, I am well, the way the Christian He's changing the life. narrative in that they thought, if I do this, God will bless me. He's changing that from, God did this, I will obey. Right. It, 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 he changed it around instead of it being something, some kind of ritualistic thing that you do to gain 
God's favor or grace. He's like, I provided this whole thing for you. Like all the imagery that you that you read that we're going to go look at some here, uh, you know, from I think about that passage in Isaiah where it said we, you know, he lifted us up and we rode on uh, the wings of eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, think about that. What do you, how much does that depend on your performance and effort to be riding on eagles' wings? Yeah. He, none. Yeah, he's saying you better hope not. Riding, right? You better hope it doesn't depend on your effort. Exactly. Right? Well, I want to mention Plus, two things. destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. You can't get rid of me. Rocks, rocks, we're the rocks of the kingdom. He's the yeah. cornerstone. He said, destroy this. I just, I just, Build it back. Yeah. But being Jesus, that's why he can say something. So like go that. ahead before, because I'm going to get into yeah, this. We're going to get to the next one. Before we do it, let's take a break. Two things I want to mention. One is you, you mentioned about why God did it the way he did it. And I think our, our study of the book of Hebrews showed us that. It was a long play. Everything was to show us what wasn't real as compared to what is real. So that's why you study Israel the whole— Israel or Israel? Israel. <laughs> that's good. That's pretty good. Well, but think about, think about Hebrews, though, too. It, it also showed us the impossibility of any type of righteousness based on the law and based on Moses, which is what in the first—and John, was it 114? I think John 114 says that uh, when he says that Christ came— in the, uh, the full, dwelling among us. Yeah, the, the, and he dwelt among us, and it says something about the fullness. Let me turn here. Uh, John 1, this is in John 1, and it says uh, that, that, that uh, and the word became flesh, 14, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory as the only, as the only begotten from the Father. And then he goes into this weird thing here in verse 16. He says, for of his fullness... The fullness of God dwelt in bodily form is what Paul said in Colossians 1 and Colossians 2. For of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And then he has this juxtaposition here. For the law was given through Moses. So that's one side of it. Not going to work. And that's what the book of Hebrews showed us. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. I think that the book of Hebrews also shows us the impossibility of this. And so as Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives, the good news for us is he, it's, he's basically exposing the, the uh, impossibility of a system that was never going to work anyways. It was never really the point of it. it. The point of it was to show us that it could never work. And then he is standing there about to finish his work on the cross and establish a new temple which will be himself then later us. I think that's what's happening here. I do too. And let me make one more mention before we jump into the next one, Jace, because this this helped me with a passage that always, I couldn't quite figure out why. But in Matthew's version of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and what we call the triumphal entry, he's on that foal, he weeps. And it's really interesting because the only other time we see Jesus weeping was at Lazarus' graveside, remember? Because everybody was so moved. And it says he said, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know why? Why couldn't you believe?" And it, what in my mind now, looking at this from Mark thirteen, from the in the mind of Christ, because remember he came here from outside of time, so he is able to see all of history. He sees this being destroyed as he's riding into it. He sees all those people being slaughtered, and it overwhelms Jesus. I mean, he has a very strong emotional reaction. 
And so it really helps me when you get to this where he's actually talking about it, that he's actually already seen it, even when he was here. And he's looking at it again and, oh, man, why could you not just believe in me and accept and have life? And why didn't you flee to the hills? You know, all those people that didn't because they didn't believe him. So that helps me to understand they even that passage into why he was so emotional in that moment, which is strong. Okay. All right, Jason, move us in. So, now look, there's no easy way to say this. This is going to be a little deep, but it's like a guy who came to me one time. I shared Jesus with him. God's grace, his body being crucified, you know, in the resurrection, and his response was, I mean, true story, but what about the abomination that causes desolation? <laughs> I said, <laughs> got to get that. Well, out what does that got to do with your sin and God's redemptive plan in this moment? He's like, well, what about the abomination that causes desolation? So, I I do want to mention. So, I'm going to read two things from Mark 13. So he brings that up in verse 14 when he says, "When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand." Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. All right. So there's one verse I want to read. And then I want to read verse chapter 13, verse 26, when it says, At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So we've already talked about what what got us here. And if you didn't listen to the last podcast, go back and listen to it. Pause right here and then catch up. So I'm going to go back to Daniel where these two phrases happen. This is a little heavy, and uh, but I'm going to read it. Daniel 9. And we'll start. I'm, we're going to go backwards because I think it's easier to understand if you do. It was for me. So Daniel 9 and verse 20, just to get the context, he says, Daniel, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel. So we're talking about the same nation as Jesus is referring to in Jerusalem here in Mark 13. And making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. All right. So then an angel comes to Daniel because I'm skipping through some of this. So I don't have to read all of it. And he gives clarification for one of the many visions that are in Daniel. And I want to pick it up in 24. And he says, 70 sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions. Any idea on what you think of about the holy city where he's refer referring to? Probably Jerusalem. Probably Jerusalem. Okay. To and remember, Daniel is in captivity in Babylon when he's writing this. Just to Yeah, and look, I asked that question, but I knew the answer because look in verse 25 of Daniel 9. No one understand from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler will come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. wonder who that is. There's your uh, Titus and Rome, if yep. you so choose. Now, a lot of you say, well, no, wait a minute. What is all this? Stuff? 62 set. Just 
Stay with me. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. Now, who was known for sacrifices and offering up until Jesus' time? The Jewish temple of God. Thank you. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, look, you have two choices when you read something like that. I mean, the first thing you need to do is go read the whole book of Daniel. I just picked out that insert, but you see that same phrase that Jesus mentioned in Mark 13. But you have two choices. You can either try to make all those numbers work out, and I read everybody that did, and they're never, it, it, I never saw anything that said, yeah, this is exactly to the day on the 62 sevens and the 77s, or, you know. Or you can realize that, look, we have a prophecy here, a message from an angel to Daniel that's saying there's going to come a time where this place of, of worship on the temple, on this hill, it, it's going to be destroyed. And, and there's a power that's going to come and make it happen. And there's going to be this central figure who, uh, how did he refer to Jesus? The anointed one here who will be cut off uh, you know, and have nothing, but we know that we know that is a reference to Jesus and his death on a cross and subsequent his resurrection. I agree. Let's take a break. So the, you said, well, how do, how do you know that? Because if you back up to Daniel 7, I told you I'm going in reverse. He had already mentioned this. Now, this one's a little easier to understand. In verse 13, of Daniel 7, it says, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Well, that was, we, we've already covered the abomination that caused desolation. And and what that, and look, if, if you want me to just go and answer what that is, I believe, in my opinion, that it was using this power of Rome to destroy the, uh, the Jerusalem, the, but, the temple. But you could be wrong. But I could be wrong. Well, but, well, but, hold on. Well, hold on. Let, me, let me just read the 13 and 14, then I'll comment. I mean, they'll let you comment. So here's the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was, a given, he was given authority, glory, sovereign power, and all peoples, nations, and men in every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, I know exactly who that's talking about, and I know when it happened. It happened when Jesus arrived, the process, which was the entire scheme of redemption, but it was becoming a reality when he's now speaking of this. In, in which which is, we talked about this in the previous podcast of the vision and the, and the dream of, of the statues, but in, in Mark 13, that's what he says here. He says, um, then they will see, at whatever time period he's talking about, he says, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So when you when you mentioned Daniel 7, I mean, that is a reference to Daniel 7, obviously, because Daniel There's 7 no says, one like the Son of Man was coming. There's no doubt. Now, so let me just finish the thought, then we can talk about it. So if you go back to Daniel 2, now we went Daniel 9, we got the abomination causes desolation and the terminology went to seven we see jesus is coming 
or ascending, however you want to look at that. I'm 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 leaning toward the ascending. Well, well hold on. Let, well, but, hold on. Is, we'll go to Daniel two forty four, where it started. He he had another vision. Said in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision. And look, we could go into the details, but all I'm proposing is, is that in Mark 13, when he brings this up, it, there were references made to the prophecies from Daniel that Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah was coming to set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And it, he used that same phraseology, the son of man. And it, in itself would replace the temple worship uh, Jewish ritualistic system. And, and not just replace it, it would far supersede it beyond the comprehension of any human. That's a better way to yeah. say yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, but if you look at this passage in Daniel 7, and think about what's happened, Daniel, what happened in Daniel 6. You got Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel's in the lion's den. He's in the pit with the beast. He's not harmed, and he, is, he ascends out of the pit. So then you have this, that just happened. I don't think it's there for just coincidence. I heard one scholar said that that, like this is a continuation of that story in another way, but in the matters, in just a second, I'll show you why. But you see here, one like the son of man, you see, kept looking at the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. So what's he talking about here? Is he talking about the second coming or is he talking about the ascension of Christ? Listen to this. What did he, what did the son of man do? He came up to, so he came up, up. He came up to who? The ancient of days, and he was who was God the Father, and he presented uh, was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language, going back to exactly what we've been talking about with the inclusion of the Gentiles, might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. This is the moment. So I, I think this is what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the ascension of Christ, which was the vindication of Christ. It was his vindication in this moment where he was seated at the right hand of God. It's when Jesus was in the garden. What does he pray for? He says, Father, the time has come. Glorify me now in the presence that I had with you before the world began. The resurrection of Christ was 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 not just it wasn't just hope for our resurrection it was also the vindication of Christ and it was the the stamp that everything that this guy said was true the kingdom to be brought is here it is finished everything happened in this moment of the all resurrection. authority in heaven and on earth all of it has been given to me I completely agree now I do I do think you know if people say we well, want to make the case that he came in judgment and you know in a spiritual way okay it went in the actual happening of AD 70 but I think the reference is the ascension of Christ so <clears throat> so here's my take um, let's take another break. So my take is, I loved it, Jason, that you went backwards. If you if you continue to go backwards and Daniel get to Daniel 2, which we reference a lot about the kingdom, you see that vision of the four kingdoms. Here's what's interesting. <clears throat> In every one of those kingdoms, the Babylonians, of which Daniel's writing from, yep. guess what was happening to the temple? Desolation. De yep. des destruction. Not totally destroyed, because they rebuilt it. 
Guess what happens when you get to the Persians? Same thing. Guess what happens when you get to the Greeks? And by the way, we don't read about it because there's no scripture here. But if you read history. These are the empires that are coming and they fall. Guess what happened in 167? When the Greeks were in charge, somebody goes into the temple, ends temple worship as the Jews knew it, and started sacrificing other things to their gods. Yeah. So it happens again. And then you get to the last, to the Roman era. And now what's happening is he says, this is the ultimate one where it finally stops. Each one of those, there was a pause in each one of those kingdoms. We get to Romans, to the Roman era, we see the end of it. And let me read you this passage. This is really interesting. Again, in the context of what we're talking about here, this is from Mark 14. Whenever Jesus is on trial now, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus says very directly, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So again, it's the same language that he used earlier to the high priest. What, so what is, is he te- talking about a second coming thousands of years down the road? No, he's talking about you're going to see it, you, yeah, Mr. High Priest. Yeah, if, if because if Daniel 7 was a reference about the second coming, then you would have had the Son of Man coming from the ancient of days to us. Exactly. But what you see is the opposite. You see the Son of Man coming to the he's ancient exalted. of days. He's the right hand of God. That's why I yeah. finally told, to get back to the Bible study, I said, that already happened. I said, and Jesus was victorious. Yeah. I said, this is a better, that's what I told him. I said, this is a better system. I said, if you were interested in temple worship and and giving sacrifices of animals and going through a ritualistic setting, uh, you know, then then we could talk about the abomination that causes desolation. But last time I checked, Rome is not what they used to be. And you have Jesus. That's right. You can live forever. I say yeah, Go with, yeah, put yeah, your faith and trust in that's what I answered. I, Jesus I, I, Jesus won. Jesus I, won. I, I think this is why I think this right here is, to me is the only way I could ever make sense of, of this passage in John 16. When he says here, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage, this is Jesus talking, that I go away. Now, when, why in the world would anyone think it would be good for Jesus to go away? But he said it's good that he goes away. I've said that so many times. I thought, think about what our lives would be like if he'd never left. No, we did that with with Larry when he was here on those uh, yeah. podcasts. And it was, I think it was a, a good point. But, but Jesus said, it's good that I go away. And here's why. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, speaking of the spirit, speaking of the spirit, when the spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he defines this. And I think this is what I think this is what the whole thing's about concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. So this is the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of our sin. It's that moment where we're like, oh, my goodness, I need to return to Christ. But here's the point. Verse 10 and concerning righteousness, because I go to the father and you can no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I think what he's talking about here in verse 10 is the indwellment of the Holy Spirit. It's God's presence moving in you. I always ask kids when we're doing college ministry, I say, you know, if Jesus was with you all the time, would it be easy for you not to sin if he was just like right there with you? And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, he's right there with me. I'm not going to, I say, well, that's the thing though. Jesus was in a body so he couldn't, you know, he wasn't everywhere at the same time. But the Holy Spirit, when he came, 
He lives in you. That's why he says concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you can't see me anymore. But you don't need to see Jesus face to face anymore because you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in you. So Christ's work, his finished work, was paving the way, his ascension was paving the way and initiating the coming of the Holy Spirit who would live in us now, going back to presence. Now my body is a temple. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in me. And that's why Paul says all sins a man commits are outside his body except for sexual immorality. Why? Well, because your body's a temple. You can't unite the the, the the Holy Spirit with a prostitute. That's what he's saying. You can't, like, that, that, that your body is a temple. We are the temple. God dwells in us. God lives in us. And you can see that vein uh, throughout all of Scripture being accomplished. Which, to add more to your point, you think about the verse in Romans 8, where Paul says, the Holy when we pray, the Holy Spirit interprets our thoughts in groans and words that we can't even understand or express. So again, to your point, Zach, that means that there's a lot going on from the re- in the realm from God to us with the Holy Spirit living in us. And how could that continue on if it was all about a place where everybody went in to find the presence of God in the Holy of Holies in the center of this through yeah. their sacrifice? You are the place. You are the place. Now, having said that, so then people at this point, they're like, well, what are you saying, Jesus? I mean, he's not coming back. Oh, yeah, he's coming back yeah, yeah, yeah. again. I, you know, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, where it says, for as an Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is verse 22. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. You say, well, what is there left if he's reigning right now? Well, he explains it in 25, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So we're not saying he's not coming back. He's coming back. We're just saying that in Mark 13, what he's referencing is yeah, that's a great point. the destruction of the temple, which was needed because guess what? If that hadn't happened and Jesus hadn't died and he wasn't raised, we weren't getting in the kingdom. Yeah, that's right. But a hundred percent, let me clarify, we do believe and are anticipating and are longing for the second coming of Christ. Oh, and I have a lot of verses that I say it is referencing. We're just saying in Mark 13. Yeah. He hadn't died, he hasn't been buried, he hasn't been raised, and he's laying out what's going to happen. And one of the things that was going to happen was he was going to have or have that or allow that temple to be destroyed. And it historically and in reality was was. And you know what's interesting, Jace, is when you see Jesus is the only one who predicts this and talks about it. When we get over into Paul's writings, Paul never talks about it. He always talks about the second coming. He's always looking beyond this event. As he's working with these people. Remember, he's operating right up until when it was going to happen, which we're going to get into in the overtime about the not knowing part of it. The point is, and what we're trying to say is, it goes back to that John 2 when he said the temple that Jesus kept referring to, the good news that he was bringing is that he was going to let his body be crushed for our sins. He, God said, look, I have a plan and I'm going to bring my own sacrifice. It, it was the exact opposite of what the Jewish system was, which is what? Go buy an animal, 
and and give sacrifices at the Holy of Holy at at the temples. And look, they had turned the temple itself into a place to rob people with all this sacrificial system. And God said, no, look, I'm coming and I'll bring the sacrifice. Not you. That's what grace is. Jesus coming. Remember when John the Baptist saw him? And it's just a, it's a small saying in John too. He said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He realized that Jesus came as a sacrifice. And that's the temple that he was referring to. And I'll raise it up to show you that I'll be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And you're, you're part of an eternal so people kingdom. Say, so, so why is this important? For a couple of reasons. One is it's important to study Scripture in the context of when it was written and who it was written to. That, that's important for all scriptures. Because just our look at scripture, this is important to understand Mark 13 in context. Number two, I don't believe you ever fully appreciate the second coming or the ascension of Christ unless you understand that this Jewish dispensation or this Jewish era had to end. And no, unless exactly. you understand You're that right. fully, you never appreciate the greatness of what he did when he went back and what he's going to do when he comes back, which are both tenets of the gospel story. Which is Our why Jewish friends have struggled with it for 2,000 years. Many thousands. Well, look, and it wasn't like... And he, some of our Christian brothers he, did, too. He bled and died for them, too. That's and, right. And he yep. was raised for them, too. But I think part of this theology, and which is why we spent two podcasts on this and trying to tell you that, look, there, there are some arguments among the religious world over this, mm -hmm. but we feel this is significant because... What is sad is there's not a holiday for the Ascension. It's almost never mentioned. And you don't realize that, look, that 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 was him declaring big. access for us, the Holy Spirit being poured out for us. And he has he's victorious. Yeah. He won. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. We I mean, should, it, it, we should caveat though. We could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that right there you were not wrong on. I mean, I do think the ascension of Christ is it's under it's underrated in, in our theology. A lot of people don't talk about it. I mean, no. I, didn't grow up here. I mean, look, I'm excited about Jesus coming back, yeah. but don't don't try to make every verse meaning that when you're nullifying Jesus declaring himself as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because if I think he didn't return back, the mediating work that we now have wouldn't be there. That's exactly. right, and, and all the greatness. So we're out of time. Uh, we'll talk about in the overtime, Jace, why there's not a holiday for the second coming because we're still waiting on it. Yeah. And look, as always, if you disagree, you feel free to send an email to our Zach, but don't send <laughs> one to me. And we're going to forward that right on to Jay. So, all right, we'll see if you want to follow us over. It's blazetv.com slash unashamed. We'll kind of wrap up this uh, discussion of Mark 13 to get us ready for 14, which is phenomenal uh, in our next podcast as well. Remember, if you subscribe, you're not only getting our overtime you also get access to all 800 episodes of In the Woods with Phil, which was Dad's video uh, blog show uh, that's on Blaze. There's some great nuggets in there, as well as all of Blaze's content. So it's worth it to subscribe. It's a great uh, Christmas gift as well. So check it out, blazetv.com slash unashamed.